This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Patriots Dynasty Podcast, week seven, which we are actually recording after week eight because that's how we roll. But uh, you'll hear it in order. So if we say something that you don't hear till next week, uh, blame Greg. Dude, we're also recording 20 years after week eight. So <laughs> I don't think it really matters. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we're not spoiling anything for anybody, are we? Except maybe Steve. That's okay. Yes. Uh, so this is the Patriots bye week. It's week seven of the 2002 season. So like we did last season, we're uh, doing our little bye week episode. We're going to do a deep dive into the Pats-Jets rivalry, if you can call it that, um, even though it hasn't. Um, but before we get into that, we actually have a special guest on with us today. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody, or welcome uh, how do you all say three it? of the listeners. <laughs> I'd like to introduce everybody to our friend Tucker Boynton from, uh, from all sorts of things, but most recently the Stats Over Storylines podcast. How you doing, Tucker? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, usually the only guests we've had on have been non-Patriot fans, weirdly, for a Patriots Dynasty podcast. Um, so, it's actually kind of nice to have a, a Boston sports fan on for once. Uh, so, I just kind of want to get started. How did you get to the point in your sports fandom and Patriots fandom that you're doing podcasts of games that happened back in the 2000s uh, well uh i have been on i've actually only been on twitter about probably it'll be two years coming up on two years i haven't been on twitter that long but um i started doing stats on twitter for boston sports not just the patriots but as you mentioned, I'm a Boston sports fan and I um, wanted to find a way to sort of communicate my fandom in a way that I thought was unique and would uh, be valuable beyond just sort of opinion. And so that's how I got into sort of the numbers game and doing all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, that's really my passion is the statistics side of things, telling numbers with stories or sorry, telling stories with numbers. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, and you guys reached out to me and I'm, more than willing to um i'm honored that you wanted to you know have me on to, to discuss all these games from early patriots history which are obviously it's fun to look back on uh at this point in the quote-unquote dynasty given that there's a lot of time for uh, retrospection so yeah. yeah yeah a lot of time of, of no sports right now we kind of started this right before all this happened there's no actual sports to be watching right now so why not watch Patriots losing to the Dolphins in 2002, right, boys? <laughs> Wait, they lost? <laughs> you watched the game. Greg doesn't. Jesus. That's true. Uh, I just tried to purge it from my memory. It's so bad. I would also like to point out to my other brothers um, that it's not just me who mixes <laughs> nerd shit and Patriots and sports. There are at least two of us. <laughs> I got to say, though, it, I've listened to the podcast. It's pretty good because... The one thing that's always driven me crazy about like, especially like Boston sports talk radio is it's the exact opposite, right? It's storylines over sports where it's just like you hear Felger and Maz get like, 
one thing in there, one bee in their bonnet, and they just like <laughs> drive it into the ground all day. And you're just like, come on, man. Like, can we look at this at a different aspect? So I, I, I really appreciate this kind of uh, unique perspective on stuff. Yeah, I'm glad that was actually like a frustration of ours. I'm doing it with John Germain, who runs Boston Sports Inf, um, who's been on Twitter a whole lot longer than I have. But um, that was a sh- joint frustration of ours that there's so much opinion uh, and focus on, you know, what what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And right now, it's just it's this really cool time in in sports journalism where there's this growing process, growing sort of presence of journalytics and like data backed commentary that hasn't been there forever when you have like the 538s and the pffs and the all the all these uh even you know the athletic is adding data scientists and you're getting sort of a a more in-depth look as opposed to the the typical sort of you know the old sports media is like beat writers going and sitting in these stuffy rooms and eating crappy food so they can write about (laughs) the game and that that seems to be sort of going out of style and in, in, in favor because maybe because the viewing experience is just as good at home as it is to read in the paper. True, you know, yeah. It's not that aspect is no longer as necessary. And so as you go deeper and try to, uh, I guess, create commentary as a member of the media that's interesting and compelling, mm. people have been forced to look for other avenues besides sort of just the opinion making. Yeah. And I think uh at least growing up we would use the newspaper because there wasn't any any other way to get it there was no internet you couldn't watch highlights you know like if you you missed the game you missed the game you know and you had to read about it so that was much more i think invaluable at least to us growing up like getting the boston globe out and reading the sports section the day after or the day before with all the like the matchup page and all that shit um yeah i think you're right that that it feels like there's an oversaturation of that now where everybody is trying to to post their opinions of what just happened or what's about to happen or you know like the mock drafts will start now for next year sort of thing it's like well it comes with the accessibility of the internet right like the idea of of these social media channels like twitter where everybody's voice is amplified for the most part exactly the same right nobody's given a platform above anybody else right and so even with podcasting, it's really, there's no shortage of opportunity for people to come in and make their opinions heard, which is great for a lot of people, but it also oversaturates people and sort of, you know, how much they can take. I think people have a certain bandwidth for uh, like content. And Uh, yeah, especially when that content is opinion, I think. All right. I have a a test case for you because I have a theory that you can find a statistic to prove anything. Oh God, here we go. And Greg on here. Steve, the one who knows numbers the least. (laughs) Wait, do you mean you as in like one can find a statistic? Yeah. Okay. And I want to see if there's any statistics to support Greg's hottest take of all time. Oh, all right. I don't remember what this is, but let's go. Is it that Aaron Glenn should be in the hall of fame? No, no, no. that, That was Mike's hot take. It does involve an Aaron though. Right. Oh, yeah. That was my worst take of all time. <laughs> Let's hear it. Andrew loves fire take. Yeah. He said at some point, and Greg, you can put the date on this, that you thought Aaron Hernandez was going to be better than Gronk. I was so positive about it, too. <laughs> I, don't think, 
I don't think that's so off base. Like, could you, could you get like a oh, an average eight yards per attempt, and then like created by wiggles in the left side of the receiver? No, I game. think I I think actually at the beginning of the Gronk Hernandez two tight end sets, like in 2010, 2011, that Aaron Hernandez was arguably a better receiver than Gronk yeah. was. Gronk was a, was a more complete player from the yeah. beginning. But, but Aaron Rodgers, yeah, Jesus, Aaron Hernandez was more of a, a danger with the ball in his hands because you'd see him lining up in the backfield taking handoffs and stuff just so they could get him the ball. And, and to be fair, Gronk never, he never looked apart. Even when he was putting up crazy numbers, he was like alligator arm catching everything. And you're just <laughs> like, true. it doesn't make sense like and, visually, but it works. So yeah, that, that's been my whole style of uh, quote unquote athleticism throughout the years is uh awkward yet uh i don't even know what i'm trying to say fuck it it's awkward it's just it's awkward, awkward. yeah no <laughs> but yeah so, you're right well there. tucker how much do you hate twitter uh <laughs> if you're two years in you're looking at the worst two years of twitter yeah i hate twitter a lot um <laughs> i i learned pretty early on uh the the lack of redeeming qualities and the fact that if you engage with anyone about anything, it's probably not going to end well. Um, and so I just try to keep my like hands clean and not mess with anybody because I do get a good amount of blowback on some posts that I make um, really? from opposing fans and that sort of thing. People who disagree. Um, and I agree with numbers. Well, that's my point, but who I actually, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, whatever, but uh, they'll, they'll take, they'll extrapolate something I'm saying and, uh, and, you know, be upset. And, uh, but I, I don't really venture into the mud. I don't really like to, to spar with anybody. I like to keep it, keep it clean, but that's just my style. So. Oh God. So do you have any Patriots related stats that are your favorites? that you've come across? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, let me what think. about the rest of you? Any favorite stats? I got a good one I heard the other day. All right. They were talking about um, Mahomes' like, contract they just got. It's like, you know, 10 years. Could be up worth 500 million, right? Blah, blah, blah. It's only half a billion, no big deal. Yeah, and someone was like, yeah, so – like picture this, Mahomes like li- plays out the life the life of the contract, wins two more Super Bowls, wins an MVP or two, throw it in there, is Pro Bowl like eight times, and then he's made it halfway through Brady's career, and he's yeah. gonna do it again. <laughs> what I saw was um, if Mahomes finishes out this contract, going sixteen sixteen and zero every year of the the next twelve years of it, uh, he would still be like 30 games behind 30. Yeah, wins. I posted that one. Is that you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Three still wins behind Brady, but yeah. Nice plug Andy. Whatever it was. All right. My favorite, my favorite Patriots related stat, I guess off the top of my head right now, I would say is the fact that Brady targeting Gronk, he has more in the, uh, inside the 25 yard line. He has more touchdowns than he does in 74 <laughs> touchdowns, sense. 71 incompletions, which is just <laughs> nuts. That made, I sent this one to you guys. Our Patriots 423 straight starts by homegrown quarterbacks is nearly double the next closest in the Super Bowl era. Yeah, that's ridiculous. 
Who's the last person to start that wasn't homegrown? It was someone like the Scott Seacules, I believe it was. Yeah. Say that again. Scott Seacules. Never heard of him. <laughs> Back in like the nineties, it was a. I think yeah. it was around the time of the ninety-two. I think. Like when Zolak was was that that era anyway. Yeah, I remember him from uh, Unnecessary Roughness, the video game. That was 95. Unnecessary <laughs> Roughness 95. That's what we used to play. That was one of them, yeah. I think we played 93 through 95. <laughs> Jesus. So my favorite stat that I had in my pocket that Brady has now ruined by going to the Buccaneers. How selfish. <laughs> well, you'll, you're about to hear how selfish it is. Ruined my, my career as a stat guy. Um, the Buccaneers, their total win count since their inception in 1976 was 276 games. Tom Brady's total win count since 2000 when he started was 249. So he theoretically in two years, if the Bucs had been bad and he had been good, could have caught them. If he had played yes. anywhere except Tampa. But now that'll wind it. Yeah, he could have gone anywhere else. You're right. Literally. How do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, I... Season. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I'm a sports fan, and I, like, feel the things hard, but I never was, like, super disappointed that Brady left. Like, I, Really? Maybe that's because I just saw it as, like, an, an inevitable thing if the season ended. But I don't begrudge him for going elsewhere, and I don't begrudge the Patriots for moving on. Like, I, I think all things considered, it's a pretty amicable breakup. Like, <laughs> you look at how – things have ended for the other like all-time greats and when the teams wanted to move on from them like it's been ugly for pretty much everyone um and this has i don't think is as ugly as the boston media would like you to believe because it's fun to believe that yeah and there's nothing else to talk about right and i think like the boston media was a large reason why last season was miserable it didn't have to be miserable and like no, like yeah. the Patriots had an historic defense and mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people overlook that. We talk on the stats over storylines podcast a lot about um, how analysis that stops at like, well, did he, she, they, the team win a ring or not? Yeah. It's so shallow. <laughs> um, and that like the 1986 bears defense was actually better than the 85 bears defense. Yeah. yeah. Super Bowl. Um just for example, or, you know, the 70-71 Bruins were probably better than the 69-70 Bruins who won the cup. But, like, we all have such a shallow short-term memory, and it's like a pass-fail situation. That goes back to the things I say about Wes Welker and, like, him being an all-time receiver. Um, But nobody remembers anything but the drop in the Super Bowl or the alleged drop. Like, was it even a drop? Like, who cares? It's one play. (laughs) It was Uh, a drop. (laughs) It was a drop. (laughs) Regardless, <laughs> I guess to get back to the point, um, yeah, I, I just think I think like it's easy to get caught up in all of the stories, but the numbers last year were still impressive. I mean, the offense wasn't great, but I wasn't so let down that he moved on. I think it's kind of funny that he went to the Bucks, like the Bucks. Yeah, but of all teams. Again, it's it's all part of this sort of life cycle of players in the league and things turning over and the pendulum swinging the other way. So it feels like he's slumming it to me. Tampa (laughs) slumming it. Tampa of all places. Yeah. And San Diego. Yeah. That uniform. (laughs) 
I don't know. It just, it doesn't, you know, like the Patriots one feels like classic. If you went to like the Packers, you'd be like, Ooh, a classic uniform, but that yeah. just looks like something they like Oregon would wear, you know? <laughs> well, that was cool in the nineties, right? Yeah. So a funny story about the Welker thing. I was in college for that Super Bowl, and I got wicked, wicked drunk watching no. that game. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and like, uh, like Kelly, I woke up the next morning, and Kelly, my wife, was like, when we were going to bed, you were just like lying in bed going, why did Welker drop it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I believe I, I, also I, I just like I, I just like I don't know I have a tough time as a, as like a stats and data guy like like small sample sizes in whatever it is like just irk me in terms of like making a, an overall judgment about a player um good or bad you know like there's nobody like the Peyton Manning being a choker argument it's like yeah. what are we doing? Like, <laughs> I, I, I just think like you, you talk about like a couple of games, a couple of throws and you look at the percentage of the career that that makes up. Right. It's, of course it means more and it matters more, right. but like to, to judge somebody based on something that represents half a percent of their career, even if it was the biggest moment, I don't even, I mean the Welker Welker had what 700 receptions in a six year span. And that was one drop one. So do the math. That's one seventh of a percent about right. of, of the passes that he could have caught. And, and that also, doesn't, can you name another time. drop that he had? Like off the top of your head, can you even think of one other drop that Welker had? Yeah. Yeah. Remember we were talking about this the other day, that game where Brady threw like oh yeah. Two it's incompletions what, in a game and one of them was a drop by Welker. Oh that's dropped two passes in his career. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Fucking bum. Yeah, he's a bum. <laughs> you know who doesn't drop it? Julian Edelman. He almost dropped it, but then he's like, wait a minute, I'm not Welker, and he caught it just before it could hit the ground. <laughs> and then he dropped it last year in the divisional rounds. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like yeah. I, I don't know. I I just, in any sort of analysis, it's like, it seems silly to, to base it off of a small sample size. It is but interesting, there, but that's how the brain works, though. I don't know if it's like a sports fan thing or if it's just a human being thing where... Sure, but separating fandom from, like, honest analysis, like, okay, I'm not going to, like, you know, say you can't be upset about that and right, right. hold those, like, negative feelings as, like, a fan... Yeah. But as an from an analysis perspective, it's like okay, how do we judge Welker's career? Try to remove yourself and like make an honest judgment. You shouldn't have to look at one play and say that ruined everything. Are there but any there like, Belichick a... stats you think he gets too much credit for? Because it can go the other way as well. Because there's a lot of folks with negative, but I think Belichick has a assumption of positive and affecting a stat. And Greg, argued about that. I think it's absolutely pure Belichick. So yeah. Greg does not. This seems like something that I'm late to. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we've uh, well, discussed Here's my on. theory. Here's my theory is that the Belichick, like he wins three Super Bowls in four years and like basically gives himself like a buffer of being able to screw things up, right? He's definitely a good coach, but there's also a ton of really good coaches out there that didn't get that immediate success that might have got like they fire coaches within two years if you're not making the playoffs, right? Yeah. 
So I'm saying Belichick hit You're right. Like, he won a he won a Super Bowl in 2004, and then three years later, he only went 16 and 0. What a fucking bomb! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Tucker, I'm kicking you off the podcast right now. <laughs> we got a new stat check guy, Greg. Get the fuck out of here. You're just right about getting replaced. <laughs> no, I'm saying that you Belichick gets away with a lot of, especially in Boston media or Boston like fandom, but we're just like, in Belichick, we trust when we don't really, we don't hold him to task for things that he screws up when he does definitely screw things up. So what percent of decisions would you say Belichick has screwed Ooh. up during his time? Like as a Patriots coach. Well, how do you quantify that, Mr. Stats man? I mean, decisions like <laughs> yeah. What well, time there are ways to quantify. Like the, the fourth down play call on the pass <laughs> play to Kevin Falk in the Colts <laughs> game was the correct call analytically. I'm thinking more like personnel decisions. I mean, that's yeah, kind of where I have beef with them. Like I, I was, I really didn't like the Jamie Collins when they gave him away for a bag of balls. You know, there's been other things where you're just like the, that, that defense, the bend but don't break defense. I think they could have, I think they could have been a better team if they tried to get players that were aggressive or played an aggressive scheme. I know, it's more of like a that's such a hard thing to quantify though. Yeah, and you can say it generally the Patriots are viewed as the best salary cap managers or one of the best, and they're viewed as good drafters if not the best. There's no weaknesses in his game. The best drafters? I don't know about that. One of at least middle of the well, pack. I think they're, they're not bad. They're not the fucking before, Jets. Though. Well, that's true. But we talked about this before about how the Patriots seem to draft differently because they have their own system of what they're looking for and how to how to value those players that they draft. Which is why you it's see also, them things like drafting random dudes in the second round this year. It's also about drafting above expectation because right. each pick value. Each pick has a value, right? If you pick late every year, you're going to have fewer opportunities to hit on big name players. Um, And I've actually looked at this. Hold on, I'm trying to pull it up. But see, I'm glad we have another nerd on this podcast. I have felt that too, though. Sometimes you're like, I feel like the Patriots could have got that guy three rounds later. Like, I don't disagree with the pick, but why you burn a second round pick on this D1? Because they they don't ever have first round picks. They're picking 32. Nine, like every other year, basically. No, but like their first pick of the draft was on a D D one safety. That I felt like I don't know, I don't know shit, but I know every other NFL team is reading the same fucking. Except this was the first time that the Belichick has been to the uh, the Senior Bowl, and the guy impressed there. So how right, but it's not about if they could have got him in the back half good. of the second round. Exactly, you know? it's not about if he, how do if you he ends up good. You just you could get him later. But how do you know but, how the draft works? Is you don't know that. Unless Tucker's about to prove us all completely wrong. Well, hey, and, and Bill, we trust, right? And that's, that's what right. the that's what the end of the argument always is. Is dude, and Bill, we trust, which I don't, I don't buy that. You know, well, well you I don't, kinda I don't, have to, I don't believe that. I, don't, I mean, I don't agree with that. I think you can critically analyze an argument without being like, yeah. "In Bill, we trust." But the the opposite argument could be made too. That like people just want to say, "Oh no, you know, you pink hat Patriots fans never criticize and do that just to call other people out." Um, but yeah, Greg, here's, um, here's one thing. Uh, well, first of all, from 2000 to 2019, the Patriots have drafted the second most like cumulative approximate value. Um, so 20 years, 20, 20 drafts there second only to the green Bay Packers. And that's, they've struggled in recent drafts for a couple of them, but then there's still picks that are waiting to pan out. True. Um, and then if you adjust for expectation 
you get a similar result basically where they over they've overachieved relative to what the average team does picking in those spots. So there could be, there's definitely criticism to be levied, especially in recent years. He hasn't had great drafts in recent years. He also had a couple of picks taken away. Um, yeah. But no. yeah, no, I don't think he's infallible, but I also think like the, the idea that he's supposed to draft just like, you know, the Jags draft because yeah. Jags have a top 12 pick every year. It's like, Top five. Comparing apples to oranges, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can't debate the fact the extra draft capital they've created through trading. Mm-hmm. That's pretty undeniable. Yeah, the compensatory picks. I feel like every year that, they have just like, like four leasing people for picks, you know? Left like the pick we had Gerard Mayo with was like we traded our first for our first next year, fifth overall, some shit like that. And we traded back and picked up Mayo on 10th overall. And they were doing that sort of stuff even all the way back to uh, the Richard Seymour days where they traded him to the Raiders for the first round pick two years later, which was when the uh, the slotted salary was going to be for that first round. So they wouldn't have to pay them like Jamarcus Russell money. Yeah. And so just those sorts of things. It's, even Brandon Cooks is a more recent example, right? They traded yeah. the first for him and then traded him again for another first that was even earlier. So they got yeah, a season out of Cooks, didn't have to pay him thousand yards and improve their draft slot. All right, guys. Well, I'd love to stay in chat. Um, I got to go <laughs> eat dinner, but... Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely, um, I love love talking about this stuff. So oh, thanks yeah. for having me on. I'm flattered that you wanted to uh, have my opinion on this. And uh, good luck talking about 2002. <laughs> one uh, question before you go. Wherever. <laughs> one more one, question. Did you one say? One question before you go. Uh, who's your favorite patriot of all time? Who's my favorite patriot of all time? Who do I think is the best patriot? No, your favorite. Your favorite. favorite. Doesn't have to be a numbers thing. Just your favorite guy. <laughs> This is, a, this is a tough question. I don't this know. Really how you stump a nerd, boys. To be honest, uh, I'd probably go with Gronk just because. Wrong. I was. It's Troy was, Brown. Get out of here. Go eat. I, uh, I, I, I just love watching him play. He's so fun yeah. to watch play. I'd probably go with Gronk. That's fair. And enough. I love players who have mind boggling numbers, and Gronk is just like, it's outrageous. Actually, in terms of NFL players, one of my favorite players of all time is Randy Moss, although his stint with the Patriots is really short. Um, some of his numbers are incredible, being thrown to by Dante Culpepper. So. Yeah. And who yeah. was it after him? It was some, like, some no new journeyman. Fuck. Uh, he had a lot of crappy quarterbacks. He's yeah. had, he actually has, like, four different quarterbacks who have thrown a 1,000-yard season to him. Yeah, that's right. Was that you that posted that set? Yeah. Probably. And then, like, Matt Castle was, like, 973, too. Yeah. Like a, yeah, yeah. Brady came in after throwing, like, a 20, 28-yard slant, and then, like, <laughs> they brought Castle in, and he didn't quite get to 1,000. But, yeah. anyways, yeah, I'd go with Moss or Brady – or, sorry, Moss or, or Gronk, because just yeah. I just love watching him play. But, yeah. Good answer. We'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks, Tucker. Uh, good See luck you, Tucker. with your podcast. Thanks, Tucker. Uh, See you, bud. Go check out Stats Over Storylines if you get a chance. Yeah, right. check it out. It is a good listen. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate all... that. I like your co-host, too. You guys got a good uh, <laughs> dynamic going. Well, you got a good rapport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a right. man, too. It's, it's actually Greg, who's the youngest brother here. But <laughs> he uses technology like like an old man. So Can I ask, can I ask one question before I go? Yeah. Sure. Why, why do you only have half your beard, Greg? <laughs> yeah, Greg, why? You know, that is a very good question. Well, we knew there was a stats guy coming on. <laughs> so 
so I wanted to do a numbers based. No, it's and a, zeros. It's actually a uh, it's an art exhibit about the duality of man that we all have some form of good and evil within us. And in today's age, I think everything you know, we're talking about Twitter being black and white. Everybody has some form of. So which side's side the argument. good side? You tell me. That's hard. Which means <laughs> that's hard. I am the beholder. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck recording the rest of your podcast. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks, Tucker. Thank yeah. you. Everybody. Yeah. Bye bye. Thanks, man. God damn, Greg. That your answer to that gets longer every time. I love it. Yeah. Mm. The first it's a really long way of saying I don't know. I'm just doing it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I think it's funny. Oh God, that's fucking hideous. I love it. I personally love it. I bet you do. I can't wait for Ellie to see it this weekend. She's going to love it too. <laughs> All right. Should we get into the Jets shit? Yeah. So uh, Shit on the Jets. Yeah. So the, I kind of put this together for you, Steve, because I know that you have some feelings about the Jets that you kind, of, you kind of let boil to the surface a little bit when we talk about them in game recaps. But I wanted to explore the full unadulterated, what was the word we used the other week? Enmity. Your, your uncapped hatred. Unbridled. Yes, there you go. Of the Jets? Yes. Of, of the New York football Jets. Well, I've, I've said it many times in this podcast about how much I hate Curtis Martin and how much of a backstabber he is. Correct. Um, I am here to officially retract that statement. Excuse me? Yes. I did a bunch of research on Curtis Martin and... I am retracting that statement and issuing a new one in its place. I hate Bill Parcells. Steve, you're a, it takes a big man it, to well, admit they let were me, wrong. And let I'm me tell very you what I found. proud of you. Let me tell you what I found. <laughs> I'm listening. Let's hear it. Uh, I have a quote from Curtis Martin. I wasn't the biggest football fan to begin with, but if I was going to play, I didn't want to play for what in my mind was the worst team ever. I look at the Jets as the bottom of the barrel. Oh, shit. Starting off, he hates the Jets like I do. When did he say that? This is like after he played for the Jets. He's re- re- recapping his move to, the, to them. Uh, in his seven years, the Jets only suffered one losing year. So he actually made him fucking good. Yep. Yeah, he was a monster. I mean, obviously he's awesome, right? AFC leading rusher as a rookie. I think, I, I think it may have been a, a, a Tucker stab, but I don't remember. But it was, he saw it online today or yesterday that uh, it was the Patriots' uh, leaders in rushing touchdowns, and Curtis Martin was on that list. Oh, I'll believe it. In top three ten. years at the Pats. Yeah, it went three years with the Pats. Ridiculous. He won the NFL rushing title by one yard. Damn, when? Do you want to guess who he beat? What year? What year? Uh, I don't have the year, but it's probably... That helps. Early 2000. 2000, yeah. Uh, LT. four maybe. LT. No. Free Psalms. Yeah, no. Jamal Lewis. No. Amon Green. Seattle Seahawks. Oh, Sean Alexander. Yeah. 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 One yard. Dude, all By those dudes are the same. He's, they're all the same guy to me. They Amon are, yeah. Green, Sean Alexander. Although, remember we were talking oh. about Larry Johnson? Yeah. The other day? Have you, have you seen what his deal is now? No. Oh. Oh, he's he's completely out to lunch now. Was he the one defending uh, Deshaun Jackson? Yeah. Well, he's been he's been spouting his own stuff for apparently really? like years. Yeah. Oh shit. 
but he's all about like, you know, I don't even want to say, cause I don't know yeah. what it, you know, it's like, he's Google it. Yeah. If you're listening, you're interested, Google it. Just not on your work computer from the sound. Yeah, the Jewish cabal taking over uh, the world and yeah. all those deep state slaves. Yeah, deep state. Yeah, yeah. George Soros. Funny. After uh, yeah, we did our last bi week episode on the Jonathan Martin bullying thing where you read all those texts, Greg. Yeah, that hasn't mm-hmm. come out yet, but cool. Oh, it hasn't come out yet? <laughs> oh, we'll look yeah, forward to that. Definitely listen to that one. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, so the NFL created a, the Miami Dolphins, I guess, made a five-man committee to develop a conduct code. They picked Curtis Martin for it. To lead the committee? After that, yeah. It seems to make sense. Yeah, he was always a pretty oh, reserved guy, right? Too. Yeah. He had a crazy childhood. Really? He found his grandma stabbed to death by a man who said he needed the money to pay his phone bill. Ooh. He found her with a knife in her like chest. Holy He's shit. a little kid. His dad left when he was like five. Smoked a punch of crack cocaine. And dad or he did? His dad. Okay. And then when he got that money from the Jets, he used it to buy his dad a condo and a car and like found him on the street and took him to the new condo and then like put his dad through rehab. Wow. Which was crazy. And his dad was like super abusive to his mom too. Like obviously loves his mom and all that. Right. His Hall of Fame speech was ridiculous. He like goes into some ridiculously graphic detail of like the abuse he saw his dad give to his mom. What? Yeah, it's it's an insane Hall of Fame speech. That's intense. He says the guy had a gun to his head and pulled the trigger seven times and the bullet didn't come out. This is some like Terry Glenn shit. Dude, that's what I'm saying. We're 0 for 2 on people we hate on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I no longer hate either of these guys. I know. I kind of respect them. More than a normal player now. When he, was, yeah. when he was in the league, he probably still has this. He, had, he created his own foundation, the Job Foundation, that he funds himself <laughs> with over a million dollars because he doesn't want people telling him what to do with the money he puts in it. Fuck That's yeah. That's bad. All right, yeah, we're, we're officially a Curtis Martin podcast. Yeah, so Fuck it's man. really hard to stand on my I hate Curtis Martin soapbox. When and I still remember his first ever carry as a New England Patriot. Went for like 20 yards. and I thought 30 yarders on his first touch, yeah. Yeah. This guy's special. I, I want to, can, can we all go around here and formally apologize to Curtis Martin? Yes. I think I, I called him the C word on one podcast. Did you? And I, I, I think wanna, we called him Judas. And yeah, I honestly, I want to formally apologize. Him, yeah. Well, sorry, Curtis. Full apology to Curtis Martin. But you. let's, you know, yeah, everyone's human. He has mistakes. Uh, I have a yeah. quote here from. Uh, the duality of man. Like Greg Beard. Mm-hmm. Told you. From Chad Pennington. Uh-oh. Talking about, <laughs> he wonders that if the trade for Tim Tebow could be the thing that pushes Mark Sanchez to another level. So it's not wow. like the man is like perfect in any means. Oh, this is Curtis Martin said this? Yeah. Yeah. So he's not a great judge of talent. That's fine. He's yeah. Be right? Not a scout. No. But then I was like, all right, well, I can't like... I'm still bitter about the whole thing, right? I'm not. So who are you going to be? Yeah, you have to, you have to. I can't. I, I, you I have just, to point I those just, guns at something else, right? Yeah, I can redirect the anger. I'm not yeah, going to no, let that's, go. That's human emotion. That's right more there. like, yeah. <laughs> no, right? Uh, come to terms with my anger? No. no. Let's just redirect it at somebody else. <laughs> and I have the perfect, I mean, if you read a little more into it, it's clearly Bill Parcells' fault. All right, give it to me. So speaking of which, uh, every time we talk about Bill Parcells from here on out, I just like to remind everybody that his name is actually Dwayne Charles. Parcells. That's okay. right. 
Sorry. He goes by Bill because there was another Bill and everybody called him that and they confused him. So he just went with it because fuck it. It was easier. So Dwayne Charles Parcells. Yeah. Martin had said if it wasn't for Dwayne, he would have gone so far as to take a pay cut. Think about that. That was right. He was willing to take a pay cut to stay in New England. Stay in New England. And that would have been Tom Brady on the scene. It would have been Tom Brady and Curtis Martin in 2000, 2001, 2003, 2004, 2005. Would it have been the same? I think it would have been better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Anton Smith is not. If anything, anything, he's like close to equivalent, but I, I don't think anyone could argue he's better more talented than Curtis Martin. Yeah. And it's not like Curtis Martin's going to like poison your locker room. He was like, and a, it was also, yeah, it was Antoine Smith, like at the end of his career too. Like how, what did he play? 2001, 2002. And that was it. And then Corey Dillon came in. Is that 2003 but, or four? Corey, but another thing to Curtis consider. Martin, though, like 2007. Yeah, yeah. All this like shit that was going down late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, I think that played into Belichick coming here though. Right. I think Kraft like That's was pissed true. off that they, they did the poison pill contract for right. or right for Martin. Yeah. Which is outlawed the I, following year. Right. And yeah, I think do you want to touch on that real quick? Yeah, if anyone can you explain it, Andy? Yeah. I think so, we've tried to explain it before. It's it's like it's a it's difficult tough. concept, but yeah. So basically the the poison pill was a clause in the contract that stated Martin would become an unrestricted free agent after one year if the Patriots matched the offer. Right. He was a restricted free agent, right? Yes. So right. the First Patriots could match any offer that was given to Curtis Martin. Correct. But if they did, if they matched this offer specifically, the contract stated that he would become a, an unrestricted free agent if they matched it right. after one year. So then they have to go through all right. this again. And it's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Um, so they're worried about losing and, nothing and they took the one and the three instead of just letting him walk. Right. And they. Uh, they would have forced them to pay a $3.3 million roster bonus that would have like fucked their salary cap that year too. Yeah. That first, yeah. so basically that they, they got, put, they put an offer sheet in that basically is structured in a way with clauses in it that makes it like it sabotages the Patriots. If they match that offer sheet only to keep them as a restrict, right. To keep them as a restricted free agent. Yeah. So it's very like underhanded and like, Legally stuff that can screw the team. That's I have some quotes from RKK about it. Uh, He says probably one of probably my one regret is he got away from us. He said that is what I call borderline attorney, you know, ambulance chaser attorney kind of stuff. That's strong. Something where they took advantage. It was not the intent of the deal. It was clever lawyer stuff. It's not in the spirit of the whole agreement. Was that loophole was plugged? That's not how we do business. It was unfortunate. We probably should have found a way to get him signed before that. We didn't. It's one of my many mistakes. And that's fair too. But yeah, like that's that's rough. And the, but yeah, like you said, the page has got a first and a third. Which like, one of those was Robert Edwards? Hmm. But, but that, so then back to our previous argument. That kind of, I think maybe that is why Kraft goes after Belichick, right? Because he did some pretty underhanded stuff to get Belichick in New England. He did. It's a good point. Yeah, maybe if Curtis Martin had stayed, Belichick wouldn't come to New England. Right. Yep. That's sweet, though. I kind of miss this, because whenever you get wicked mad about the Jets, Steve, I'm kind of like, eh, indifferent, because they just like it hasn't really been a rivalry. You know why? Quite some time. Yeah, here are a quick pop quiz. Uh, when was the last time the Pagers lost to the Jets? 
playoffs, I think right? This through. No. It was not the playoffs, no. Oh, was that 11 that they lost in the playoffs? It was 2010 and 2011, I think. 2010. Yeah. It was two years back to back. Sanchez. It was not. 2010. Uh, They've only played in the playoffs twice. The Pages beat a Mangini era. But the last regular season loss. Like, who would the coach be? Todd Bowles, maybe? I can't remember Bowles beating. Let's think of like a post Sanchez quarterback that would have been. Uh, (laughs) I got nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Trying to figure out who the quarterback is. I'm saying, I'm going to guess and say 2013. And not Geno Smith. No, no, right? no. 2015. It was uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course. God, fucking oh. Fitzpatrick. I was going to say, it's probably Fitzy, but I don't think he's played for the Jets. But Week 16. Of course he has. He's played everywhere. 2015. 2015? 2015. They're on an eight-game win streak. That's awesome. Yep. And before that was 2013, Week 7, in overtime. Mm. The Jets are just, they're in shambles right now. Yeah, I love it. Because none like of these games I, recently have been close. And their stadium sucks. Sucked. <laughs> it's just middle of nowhere, like, has <laughs> no character. It's, I don't know. Remember when we were at the game, Greg, and uh, we went to go use the porta potty at the tailgating? And you go in before me, and you come out, and you're like, oh, dude, Geno Smith was in there earlier. And I was <laughs> like, what? And I walk in, and, and someone wrote on the, on the wall, looking for cocks to suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got that photo. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Shout out to when uh the the Brown family was in the Boston Globe. Oh, yes. There's like yes. a that same a, tailgate. A full page article in the Boston Globe where they got literally every piece of information incorrect. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was really And yeah, was just violent. The whole experience made sense too. It's like we're we're tailgating outside the stadium. We're like kind of close to one of the entrances, and this, this dude just walks up like maybe like fifteen minutes before we were about to go into the game, and was just like, "Hey, you guys from New England?" We're like, yeah. He asks us we'll like four away. questions, scribbles it down quickly, and fucks off, and then writes like <laughs> a full page Boston Globe art, and we're like, "Dude, talk about mailing it in." <laughs> <laughs> Looking for cocks to suck. Yeah. Take a picture of it and everything. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I wonder if we can find that article. We have to figure out when it was from. And Rick has it on his wall. Yeah, I still House. have it. Let me know the date and I'll pull it up and we'll we'll post it in the chat. Yeah. But yeah, they like quoted our sister as having as being like 52 with a British accent, even though she was born here. It's like, <laughs> yeah. That was, that was mom. <laughs> uh so, yeah, so it hasn't been a rivalry for a long time. Since I like 2016, it that way. I, I miss a good rivalry. Not the mind. average score of the past, you know, eight games is 30 to 9. 30 to 9? 30 to 9. It's bad. But, like, this rivalry's gone on forever, and there's actually a Wikipedia page on it. So mm. I think at that point it's legit, right? Sure. I, I have to imagine there's a Red Sox-Yankees one as well. Oh, yep, there is. It's right there. <laughs> Link to it in this page. Um, and so I was just kind of looking over this, and there were some interesting things in there. Um, but the reason I actually wanted to do this in the first place was we actually got uh, some listener feedback because apparently we talked about Tom Tupa. 
probably back in the end of last season, the regular season, like 2017, where Tom Tupa corralled a bad snap, which helped the Jets beat the Raiders in the last game of the regular season, I think, which is why the Raiders had to come to New England in the snow, and then the snowball happened, yada, yada. So we're like, oh, so Tom Tupa's the reason for the Patriots dynasty, right? Hot take. uh, Brendan Arbogast, I apologize if I've butchered that name, but I probably have. Um, well, I think it's from Chicago, of all places. He actually sent us a message saying that Tom Dupa was... No, not- he's a Russian bot. <laughs> if, he's, if, he's, if he's commenting on our stuff. <laughs> yeah, if he's listening to this. I don't know. He's, he's got some, some personal information about you, Greg, so you may want to look out. Um, he knows where you live. What? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Russians, bro. You got TikTok. I got to say, though, this, <laughs> this is probably the best feedback we've had from it is, center. yeah. So he says, um, Tom Tupac corralling a bad snap led to the Pages dynasty as the Jets were able to beat the Raiders and give the Pats a fresh round bye. While that statement is true, the Jets beating the Raiders helped the Pats immensely. Mm-hmm. It is not Tom Tupac's biggest contribution to the Pages dynasty. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> we moved on. <laughs> Yes. Tupa left the Pats ahead of the 1999 season and signed the largest punter contract in NFL history with the Jets. This signing led to the Pats acquiring the 199 pick in the 2000 draft as a comp pick. That pick, of course, was... Tom Brady. I'm Patrick Edward Brady Jr. Exactly. Interestingly enough, um, Tupa was Belichick's punter in Cleveland before Belichick brought him to New England in 1996. No shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, he was actually the first ever player in the NFL to score a two-point conversion. I did Because they, they implemented it that year, and he was the first one. They did like a, he was the holder for the point after, and he ran it in on a fake. It's an uh, athlete, not a punter. So it's reasonable to think that Belichick, who was with the Jets in 99, and basically signed... Tupa was a major force behind Tupa getting signed, therefore getting that draft pick for Brady. So I did a little bit of digging, and this is basically on point. Um, the only wrinkle is that the compensatory picks, the, the comp picks that you get, y- yeah, uh, it's aren't, aren't like formula. <laughs> well, I'm looking at compensatory selection. And that wasn't where my brain was looking. Well, and it's like you say, compensation is where your brain wants to yeah. go. And Compens- compensatory. <laughs> yeah. So the I comp picks, um, they're not one-to-one. So basically in 99, the Patriots lost linebacker Todd Collins, puncher Tom Tupa, defensive tackle Mark Wheeler, and offensive lineman Dave Woolabaugh. I haven't heard that name in that name forever. So as a result, they were awarded four comp picks, 127, 199, 201, and two. Right, so you so can't say it's Tom Tupa, but you it can't doesn't matter not say it's Tom Tupa. One to one, mm. but he's in there, and I think this has some legs. So Tom Tupa, again, for the second time in his career, has started the Patriots dynasty. Is responsible we gotta get Tom for. Tupa on the pod, dude. I'd love to pick his brain. And I, I think it's so hilarious that he won the the punt pass and throw. <laughs> like it just makes so it makes too much sense. <laughs> Shocking, right? <laughs> like he's he's one of the more unique players. I mean, in like modern football, right? To be able to yeah. play quarterback and punter. Punter. He'd probably kick field goals too. Yeah, and you go back to like that's like a Gino Capaletti thing, you know? 
Whereas, yeah, these guys playing like every position, but he's probably it's that's definitely a dying breed, right? With everyone, like the last one being so specialized nowadays. Yeah, can you name somebody else who's done multiple positions? The only time it happens now is if you're like, oh, we have a really good like kick returner, and we want to try and get him involved in the passing game because he's so electric. Yeah. It doesn't really happen where like they come in as a, a two position player. Right, exactly, yeah. And it's not like they're playing offense. And, yeah, because Tupper, I wonder if he ever kicked any field goals or anything. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. We got to get him on the pod. I'd love to talk to him. Yeah, we'll see if we can find him. If anybody knows how to get a hold of Tom Tupa, let us know because we will definitely have hey, one. He's great. Maybe we should scout out the punt, pass, and kick competition. <laughs> Betty's there, <laughs> an alumni. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's your favorite? Jets game that you've ever seen. Oh, that's easy. Patriots Jets game. The Buffalo game. That one was pretty good. I mean, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, national night game too. You'd you'd already had like a pretty good buzz going on. Yeah, you'd already eaten, and uh, that was one of two times the Patriots scored twenty-one points in one minute of game clock. What was the other one? Uh, Wait, let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get it. Titans game in the snow. It was a. No, it might be tough. I got nothing. I'm thinking of Miami, but that's I don't think that's right. It was 2018 against the Chicago Bears. I was at that game. 2018? No, it can't be 20. In Chicago? Yeah, you 14, excuse me. Not oh, okay. Jesus okay. I was gonna say. <laughs> I got that drunk. <laughs> yeah. I believe. I wanna say I wanna hear a funny story from that game. Yes, of course. <laughs> so I was like of the opinion that I'd never like like worked up the balls to do it, but if you wait until game day to buy tickets to games, like the the, the prices will typically plummet. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I, I flew to Chicago. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'll just buy tickets on game day because they're gonna go down. And then like game day comes, I'm monitoring and monitoring, and they just start going through the roof. <laughs> they went from like a like. 175 bucks to like the cheapest one was like $800. And I'm like, I just flew to Chicago to fuck. And I'm like walking around trying to scalp them. And the, the game literally kicks off and I don't have a ticket. And I'm like, I'm lying in the grass outside the stadium. Just like refresh, <laughs> refresh, refresh. And then one ticket came through for like, I still paid probably twice as much as if I was gonna, if I bought it like a week prior. But Oops. I was like, oh my God, something like I wouldn't like kill myself for buying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed like most of the first quarter. I walked in as, uh, what's his name, was returning that kickoff for a touchdown. Oh, Patterson. 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 Yeah, I walked in. I first glimpse at the field is him running down the field, scoring a touchdown. I was like, <laughs> let's go. I went from the depths of the depths to the peak of the mountain. It was great. <laughs> Apparently, Did you try that at uh, the Titans game too. Well, it usually works, you know. I think it's just like it was a it was an NFC game away, so there's a tons of Pats fans there, and so I think that's what had to do it. But yeah. typically, if you wait, because I before that I checked tickets like after I bought them just to see what was going on, and they'd like drop through the floor, right? Yeah. So that 2014 game, um, it is New England 17, Chicago seven, with a minute 55 left in the half. And the Patriots score a two-yard touchdown to Gronk, like on the next play. And then it looks like um, 
the Bears go three and out. The fourth and 13, they punt, and Edelman returns it, like, well inside. Like, basically, they punt from their own end zone. Edelman returns it to the 20, the punt return to the 20. Patriots score a touchdown a couple plays later. It's now 31-7. And then it was still one minute, seven seconds left. Uh, Zach Moore is playing quarterback, and uh, he gets stripped Zach, which Nikovic then returns for a touchdown, for the third touchdown in under a minute. So it went from going, <laughs> they went from going from 17-7 going into the half to uh, 38-7. And that was the ballgame. The Patriots were at 51-23. And we will get there eventually. Was that with the, when Brady sh- shook our lacquer? Is that the same game? No, that's, that was way early. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I so, have a different game in mind. I'm not going to say it's better than butt fumble, but it's a very, to me, close one. And it has a similar, just like, quick phrase like that, that everyone's going to remember it forever by. It's the seeing ghosts one from this past year. Mm. Yeah. Prime time, it was Monday night or Sunday night football. And that quote alone. It's just like, you've, I haven't seen a defense do that to someone in a long, long time. He was just awful. Yeah. It, was, it was like third quarter, and you're like, why are they even putting him out there? This is doing more harm than good. Yeah, they were like, is this going to stunt his growth as a player? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I know just, it's going poorly when they bring that shit up. Yeah. Find yeah. out. I love that game. But I can't think of any like really competitive good games, right? Um, I think in the Rex Ryan era, there were some good ones. There, there were when they had their good defense. Yeah, and that defense would give Brady problems. But I do remember that, like the the Thanksgiving Day one. I was like, "Oh, it's sweet the Patriots are playing on Thanksgiving," but like, I don't want to be like. Usually, just want to be lazy and like dozing in and out of games. And it's like, mm-hmm. is it going to suck having to like be worried about the Patriots winning this game? And then it was like immediately over. And I, I remember just being, well, it's back to party mode. Just like, yeah. I can fall asleep if I want. I know what the outcome is. And I was exactly, just like, yeah. that's exactly what you wanted for a Thanksgiving Day game. But you just and couldn't then, fall asleep because then you'd miss another touchdown is what it felt like. Yeah. Well, and I then the butt fumble. It. And you're like, this is so fucking funny. Because <laughs> the, the three touchdowns in the minute were, it was a wheel route to... Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen. Yep, who just took it off. It was off a long one, yeah. Because nobody covered him. <laughs> yeah. Basically. <sighs> And then it was the butt fumble. And then mm-hmm. on the ensuing kickoff, the <laughs> kick returner fumbled Edelman, it directly right? into the air. Edelman caught it on the run and just ran it in for a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, so, and so it's awesome watching as a pass fan, but imagine being a Jets fan watching. Oh, and you're like, oh, man, I hope this doesn't go poorly on Thanksgiving because I love this holiday. And then not only does it go poorly, but it's like the most embarrassing game in franchise history. It might be <laughs> NFL history. Like, give me another more embarrassing play in NFL history than the butt well, fumble. Didn't it win? The, the like, Colts trying to do that fake punt. Yeah. Like, yeah. But That's it, just it, poor execution. The butt fumble is just hilarious. Yeah. Well, the butt fumble, it won some, like, sports center award. Didn't it, like, the – like the not not top ten play of the week, yeah. For like like they basically had to retire it because nothing else could beat it, and it yep. won it for like months in a row every day. That's that's that how Colts fake punt did the yeah. same thing. I feel, but I agree. The butt fumble, 
it was more unintentionally hilarious. Right, yeah. He just he literally ran to the back of his own guy and fumbled the ball because of it. No <laughs> idea what he was trying to do. He got like knocked out cold too. Beautiful. He was asleep before he hit the ground. And it's a shame because like they have a good fan base, I feel like, New Yorkers. And if I'll we start fireman at well, uh, maybe I'm thinking of it from the perspective of like, would it be fun to talk shit to each other? Sure. You know, I feel like they're good shit talkers. Yeah. 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 Like Panthers fans, it's not. No. It's it's not even worth it because no, but like it's like Philly fans, like they they'll be able to give it yes. back. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like the Knicks suck too, and I guess the Rangers are okay, but there's never. Mess. For New York having like <laughs> so much money and power and influence in like world politics for them, yeah. their sports seems to be just so god awful. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And they have two of like each sport in there too. Mm-hmm. Knicks, yeah. the Nets, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Jets, the Giants, and they're yep. just all bad. Jets and Yankees. The, yeah. the Yankees, as much as I hate the Yankees, like that is good for baseball. Like I prefer the Yankees to be competitive than not. That's fair, but I, it also warms my heart that all of the Boston sports teams in our basically in our upbringing have won, usually at the expense of. Oh, and, dude, it's it's just ridiculous in like historic ways. Often, like the Jets, you know, the way that we beat the Jets. I mean, the Giants obviously have some claim, but like the Yankees losing. Being up three three games to none in the ALC. Like, that be that might be my favorite non championship playoff one. Hmm. More so than beating the Ravens in that back and forth game. I think, given said, the circumstances of where the Red Sox were at that point in time, where we, the curse of the Bambino, you know, fair. who's your daddy, Aaron fucking Boone. Yeah, and I then to go it. down three nothing, and then they remember they went to Fenway and just beat the ever loving shit out of the like Sox. Nineteen eight, yeah, yeah. 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 For for the Red Sox to come back and win those four games is just, it's just so improbable. Yeah, and against the team that like you'd want it to happen against yeah. that, it's just too many colliding like amazing things that happened. That I, I don't know that one I will, really. I want to shout out Mick Brown, our dad who is probably the biggest Sox fan of our family. Like, mom's a Pats fan, but dad is the Sox fan. And he actually called it. He's like, what better way to break a, what was it, 97-year streak of losing and not winning the World Series than to come back from 3-0 down to the New York fucking Yankees? And he said that the day before game four. <laughs> Just a bunch of idiots, you know? Yeah. Cow- cowboy up. They were dumb enough to do it. Shout out Jeff Carr. Yeah, yeah. Steve's friend. I had gym class with Jeff Carr. Really? Yeah. And like every day, we'd come back to gym class, and I'd be like, "Dude, are they gonna do this? Are they gonna do it? <laughs> I think they might do this." <laughs> and I remember yes. looking forward to talking Red Sox with Jeff Carr every day of that series. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> he loves the Sox. Loves the Sox. He's probably the biggest Red Sox fan I know. Yeah, he's up there. He's actually a huge Celtics guy too. Yeah, and a Forty ers fan. That's cool. what I meant to oh, ask. Will, will love this. <laughs> I meant to ask Tucker if uh, why he doesn't do any stats on the revolution. <laughs> my I, other my other stat <laughs> thing I was going to ask him 
is he went to Harvard and what does he, how many times does he average per day bringing that up to friends and family? <laughs> <laughs> so shout out Tucker, Tucker, if you're listening, please respond via Twitter. <laughs> and I wish so that we know it. you love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. I got a piece out to you guys. All right. I don't, you want to just yeah. hang on here, Andy? Yeah. Let's keep chatting, bud. All right. Because we haven't even, we haven't even touched on some of this stuff because there has been a shit ton of overlap between the passengers. I think that's what makes this dynasty, especially in the, you know, bye Steve. Wait, let's say bye to Steve first. Steve, we love you. Goodbye. Bye, Steve. Bye, guys. Have a wonderful time tonight. I don't care. I have like, I just hope you have a great time. Ben's bachelor party because he's getting married. On Saturday, he, he, if for those that can't see, he's doing this in quotations. Yeah. By the way, see, this is an audio medium, so keep doing those air quotes. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> and showing pictures up on the yeah, right. <laughs> this is why I'm leaving because you guys are just abusive to me. <laughs> Maybe if you're nicer, I would tell my friend to go fuck himself. But no, nope, now I'm gonna go hang out with him instead. Right, I hope he doesn't. That make sense. Hey, yep. I love you, Steve. I love you too. Love you, Steve. Andy. <laughs> Oh, Steve, you always gotta <laughs> trick me. That's why I love you. I love you too, Greg. Trick me like that. Bye, guys. Uh, See ya. Uh, and then there were two. And there were two, which dropping like flies. It's mm. like, it like watching uh, Jets coaches <laughs> all the fuck off every year. You got some notes on Jets coaches? Or do I? So there's actually been a surprising amount of overlap. Can I guess uh, how many there were since in Belichick? time frame let's you can you tell like, me how many there were and i'll see if i can name them one two three there's, there's technically like four big ones okay like not, not counting like um assistant coaches and shit like that but head coaches yeah yeah rex ryan todd bowles oh oh you're talking about i'm talking about coaches who played on both oh no I'm, i was gonna say how many coaches oh, have right. they I, had since we got belichick um one two three four five six okay so back this far is uh what's his name at that's at arizona state right now herm herm edwards he played um, to win the game <laughs> was that this season i think we Hermanisms. i think it's oh one oh maybe it was last season okay yeah. yeah yeah and last season was also um what's his name on the colts playoffs Oh yeah, but who was he? He was coaching the Colts, right? Yeah, because it was uh, Peyton Manning kept throwing it after he was throwing like three a game. Like playoffs, he wants to win another game. Playoffs. And March abroad, but that's not it. Everybody listening to this is yelling into their into their radio, like it's this fucking asshole. Come on, stat check, Jim Mora. There you go. So Herm Herm Edwards, he played ten games. uh, Ten games against the Patriots. Okay, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles coached Going out of order here. Against Rex Ryan. 13 games against the Patriots. Yeah, three uh, more. Mangini. Seven games against the Patriots. Two more. Who am I? You'll get one missing? of these. I'll get one of them. Most recent. Currently coaching. Who currently coaching? Who coaches the Jets? Uh, it's not Bowles anymore? No. Hasn't been. All right, you got to give them to me. Adam Gase. Oh, Gates. <laughs> the quarterback whisperer, if you will. I forgot about Gates. <laughs> and at the beginning was Al Groh. Al Groh. I believe he was the replacement for Belichick when Belichick left. 
Um, Interesting. And beat the Patriots both times in 2000. Wow. I was close. I mean, that, that, that's actually less than I would, I would have thought. Cause I mean, if you, I think if you do this same sure. exercise for the bills or the dolphins, you're looking at like 10 plus coaches probably. I mean, I could give you that real quick. Um, let's see. You want to do the dolphins? Let's see. Miami dolphins. Um, how many coaches do you think? Eight. Ten. <laughs> Ten. Ten dude. So oh they, they must last like, and one of them, uh, let's see in terms of games, coached against the Patriots is nine, seven, six. A couple guys with six. One with four. Wanstead. Wanstead had nine. He was the, he was the top guy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can get the second game. You may have been I feel like they just had so many generic. I mean, they had Gase There's a couple too. of, uh, yep, Gase was there. There's a couple guys who did both. I can't. Todd Bowles also was a. He was a head coach of the Dolphins? Yeah. Oh, shit. For one game against the Patriots. I don't know how long it lasted. Tony Sperano was the second longest tenured guy. Yeah. Adam Gase and Joe Philbin both coached six games Phil, against the Pats. Uh, you forgot Nick Saban. Remember that? The Nick Phil? Saban era? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just briefly. And then let's see. He's what, such a – he gets a pass for that. For like really everyone tough. loves him so much, but he – I don't – Again, he's a guy that's like built a culture that kind of like operates on its own, like yeah. the prestige of Alabama. Right. But before functions that, more than like I think his coaching acumen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Jim Bates for one game. That may have been an interim thing. Dan Campbell, Cam Cameron, and now Brian Flores. Oh, the Buffalo. Three, four, five, Twelve. six, seven, eight, nine. Nine. The Dolphins. I'm going to give them to you real quick. Uh, Chan Gailey, Dick Duran, Doug Marone, Greg Williams, Mike Malarkey, Perry Felt, Fuel, Rex Ryan, Sean McDermott, and Wade Phillips. A lot of defensive-minded guys there, I feel like, for the most part. Got to fit the culture, you know? Well, you, you, you got to slow down the Patriots, I think, is what it is. Mm. All these people talking about how the AFC East hasn't had a good quarterback. It's because they always bring in defensive-minded coaches, I think, because the Tom Brady led Patriots offense has been such a wagon for so long. Step one is to, but can you name the four coaches that have coached on both teams? They weren't all head coaches. Three of them. Were. Like career wise you're talking about? Yeah. For both the Patriots and the Jets. Uh, Parcells, Mangini, yep. Belichick. He says there's a fourth. One more. Yeah. It's not, it's not Pete. It's Pete Carroll. It is Pete Carroll. New York Jets coach, 94. Started as head coach, yeah, with the, with the 94. Jets, 94. And, How about that? Yeah, and the Patriots would win. He was here for three years between Parcells and Belichick and would win one less game every season as he coached the Pats. So took them from a playoff contender to 8-8 eight and eight over the course of three years. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff around Bill Parcells, which I think might even be its whole, whole separate thing by um, the other overlap, I think, is players. We've already talked about Curtis Martin and Tom Tupa, but there's been some like huge fucking names that have either gone from the Pats to the Jets or vice versa. One of them is your boy, Ty Law. I didn't wonder. Yeah. Now that I have you on, just you, how do you feel about Ty Law finishing? Well, not finishing, but ending up on the Jets and playing for a hated rival. You see, I, to me, the Jets aren't even the biggest rival anymore. True. Like but by the, the time, time like Ty Law, 
Eh, it was still like borderline. I, for me, like the the dynasty, the the Peyton Manning's been the rival. Yeah. That's the one guy where you're like, I'm scared of him. I'd love to beat him every year, you know, like he, but he could beat us every year. So those like even the Colts and then even yeah. the Denver days. Oh yeah. He was to me the the guy you had to beat in the AFC. So uh, it, him going to, and it was more like a personal thing than a team thing. I don't think, I don't know if I necessarily like dislike the Colts, but I was like, if the Patriots don't win, I don't want Manning to yes, win. That's exactly like, how it <laughs> felt. Yeah, and I think that's how you like quantify if they're a, a rival or not, is if you I, actively yeah. root against those players. I think that's why 06 was so bad because it felt like the AFC championship game between the Colts and the Patriots was the Super Bowl. Because whoever was going to win that was going to beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as you lost to the Colts, you're like, fuck. We just gave him a fucking Lombardi. And that felt even worse. And we had like kept Manning at bay until that point of like, yep. he still hasn't breakthrough. won anything yet. You know, it was his first breakthrough. And they did it basically because of him in the second half. Cause the pages got up big and then he clawed his way back. Yep. That was tough. But Ty law uh, went to the jets in 05 just for a season. and had the most interceptions he's ever had in a season with 10. Mm. But I, I remember he didn't play particularly I remember he was like kind of an up and down year. Was he? I, I mean, think ten so. interceptions is a fucking lot of interceptions. Made the Pro Bowl. Maybe that was just my brain trying to justify <laughs> it. It's very <laughs> possible it too. Because ninety eight was the only year that he was close. That he had nine interceptions. It's kind of a finicky stat for cornerbacks, anyways. True. And then he did two years in Kansas City, another year in the Jets, and apparently finished in 09 with the Broncos. Hmm. Played seven. I don't even remember that at all. I think he had like one or two picks there, right? He had one interception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think um, the thing that eased that for me was the fact that Darrell Revis has a Super Bowl ring with the New England Patriots. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Because that's their tie law, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. And the difference being that Ty Law won three Super Bowls here. Yes. Went there on like a mediocre team. And then right. Revis like could never get over the hump there. Comes here, immediately wins a Super Bowl. And then, <laughs> and then bails it and then goes back. But yeah. then the Jets pay him that ridiculous contract, right? Mm-hmm. Which hamstrung them because he didn't really play anything like the Darrell Revis that you'd seen in the past. And they were also a terrible team and didn't have anything around them to build on. Yeah, that, that organization is a dumpster fire. Some other big names uh, that have played on both teams. Our boy Brian Cox mm. played for the Pats and then was the linebacker coach for the Jets. He didn't play for both teams, but he kind of did. Um, and also our friend Matt Chatham played in the Patriots and then ev- eventually went and played for the Jets under Brian Cox, who was his linebacker coach. Oh. Uh, some other names who kind of went the other way and were instrumental to these early Patriots defenses, Roman Pfeiffer, Anthony Pleasant, and Victor Green. We've seen Victor Green a lot this season, actually. Um, especially his, what, 80 or 90 yard interception return for a touchdown in the blowout against the Jets earlier this season. Against the Jets. Yep. Left uh, pretty bad terms. Vinny Testaverde, another big name. Oh, Vinny. And uh, our boy Danny Woodhead, who I kind of forgotten the story until you brought it up the other day. 
where Danny Woodhead was the darling of Hard Knocks when the Jets were on it, right? Yes, everybody loved him. And then for whatever reason, the Jets cut him. Then what happens then? Hmm. Hmm. I, I don't remember. Could you, could you remind me? Hmm. Like that is perfect too. You Isn't know. It? It's like they knew what they had too, because we yeah. watched it. Like we watched the coaches rave about him. And then you're like, they cut him. Why did they cut him? Yeah. Like everyone loved this guy the whole show. And that was like peak hard knocks too. Cause like that was when they had uh Rex Ryan and then like they were getting yeah. huge numbers for that hard knocks. So everybody knew who Danny Woodhead was. Everybody. Just a brutal call by that organization. And all he would do is play 14 games that season. Uh, 97 rushes for 547 yards and five touchdowns. No big deal. And also 34 catches and another touchdown. <laughs> uh, played two more years with New England. Put up. Uh, let's see. 1,100 yards in those three years, 10 touchdowns on the ground and another four touchdowns in the air. Like he was an integral part of that. And yeah. he went onto the Chargers. Do you know where he ended his career? He went to San Diego, right? And then, for one year, he went and played Baltimore. in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, Baltimore. I don't remember yeah. that at all. Good for him. He's a good dude too. He's been on a few podcasts. He's yeah, I wonder if he can come on. Maybe, maybe once we get to that era, we'll see if we can uh, reach out to him. Speaking of like controversial people getting cut and signed, remember when uh, Geno Smith got punched in the face? <laughs> by his own teammate <laughs> did he break his jaw he broke his jaw <laughs> he was out six to ten weeks had to get surgery i'm like this guy's name is i don't know i'm not gonna pr- pronounce it right but uh, like a backup linebacker yeah was the guy that did it i'm guessing that linebacker didn't make the team though well so then he got cut right and then Rex Ryan signed him, right, for Buffalo. Oh, that's right. And then had him go out there as like a captain. As a captain, right. Against the Jets because this have been the Todd Bowles Jets era. That's ballsy. I feel like somebody else did that. Uh, and it was over like he owed him like 40 bucks or something. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like usually your quarterback is the leader in the locker room, you would think, right? Like that's usually what you hear about as quarterbacks. Like at least the – the good ones, the Tom Brady's, mm-hmm. the the Peyton Manning's, the Aaron Rodgers, maybe not Aaron Rodgers, but they're like the lead, like they're the respected guys in the locker room. And you just can't imagine any of those guys getting sucker punched in the face and breaking their jaw by anybody, especially on your own team. I always wondered if there was something more going on there. That's what I'm wondering. Like if it was because uh, even like if you're an athlete at that level, you know, and you're like on the bubble, yeah you know that you're getting cut if you punch your starting quarterback in the face. Especially if you break his fuck. Yeah. You Even if you don't break his jaw, you yeah. get cut, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's got to be something that, that triggers you enough to go and do that. So I'm wondering if there's something they didn't tell us. It feels that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It feels like, uh, what was the name of the Celtics that was rumored to be sleeping with LeBron's mom? Delonte West. That's the one. <laughs> Have you seen him lately? Yeah, not not in great shape, it seems. No, poor guy. He's got some. So 
in honor of having Tucker on, I have a stat for you. It's one it. I have. Um, AFC East Divisional Championships since 1970 to the current day. The New England Patriots have 21. Basically yeah. from 2001 onwards and also 78, 86, 96. New York Jets. How many times the New York Jets won the AFC East? Um, how many of the Pats have, you say? 21. And there's so there's like 30 years unaccounted for. I mean, Marino must have won a bunch of them. Jim Kelly. Buffalo went through the yeah. So it's probably not that many. I would say six. Two. Two. <laughs> Since the seventies. Nineteen ninety-eight and two thousand two. Good <laughs> lord. So that's bad. Yeah. So is that worse than pre-2004 Red Sox, where the Red Sox were good and they would win the, the, the AL East and they would have these teams that you would expect would make a deep run in the playoffs. And they were you know, finishing ahead of the Yankees all these times, but were still managing to find a way to fail. Or is it worse that they just don't even get there and they're just a perennial laughing stock i think mediocre to not get there i think being along for the journey and then just from a standpoint of like looking forward to games to watch right when your teams blow that's why when people say it's like a a fair weather fair weather fan i don't really buy that because it's like there's nothing at stake right yeah like if you if you're telling me you want me to watch like a, a week 16 game where the te- where it doesn't even matter yeah when the team's like six to, yeah six and nine and like it does, yeah doesn't fucking right. matter if i'll i'll stick through them if they lose huge games and it's like heartbreaking losses sure yeah but for them to just be like non-factors like the, that's not that's not the reason i watch sports i watch sports to watch games that that mm-hmm. matter yeah you know what the best part of this conversation is we're talking hypotheticals because we don't know. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Do we have, I don't think we know any Jets fans, do we? I don't uh, think we'd stoop that low. <laughs> but if we did, we could ask them. We got some Bills fans. They'll be able to fill those. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely have some of that one. Yeah. All right. That is all I had on the Patriots-Jets rivalry. Um, if you want more, there's, like I said, a Wikipedia page on it that gets in the nitty gritty of like the early... 70s and 80s and even the bit of the like the the bill bell bill parcells move for the jets and how that went down it's kind of a shitty shitty mess everybody knew going into that super bowl against the packers that he was uh basically on his way out he didn't fly home on the team jet after the game because he just went straight to new york so uh yeah but i think that's all i have is there anything else you wanted to to add as a yeah i have have a a relevant news story topic I'm listening. The Patrick Mahomes deal that was just signed. Yes. Crazy money, crazy years. Correct. Do you think they will regret that? Eventually, yeah. Because I've never seen a deal that big not come back to bite the team. I think he'll still be good. I don't know if he'll be half a billion dollars good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and like so much happens in sport. Unless Mahomes starts drinking two gallons of water a day and 
and working on elongating his hamstring and shoulder <laughs> muscles. And exactly. yeah. And doing that's what, uh, to me, injury is like a, a biggest risk part of that thing too. I mean, Especially so since you've suffered from them already. And I, and I think I've been saying this all the way through this podcast is I love watching him, but every time I do, I worry that he's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of mobile guy who like, yeah, he, he's not like an RG three who like his game is, is running the ball as well. Or even like a Cam Newton, he moves around and buys enough time for himself that I think that it will eventually catch up to him. And I'm worried for that because I love watching him play. He's the most exciting player, I think, in the league right now behind Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so I have up, up right now the, 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 the biggest NFL contracts currently. So let's just – the top ten. Let's just run through and say, do you think they regret it or not? Okay. Okay. So Mahomes, Matt Ryan. Mm, He's got I like need- four, more, four more years – it's a hundred fifty million dollar contract. Eh. I think it's fine. I mean, I don't think he was worth the money they paid him at the time, but I think he's he's top half of the league as a quarterback. Okay, so that one's undecided. Khalil Mack. Mm, I think that will eventually come back to bite them. Yeah, spending that I don't, one player on defense on a defensive player. Yeah, Russell Wilson. I think that one's a home run. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think regardless. Anybody, yeah, Andrew Luck. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm, that's probably a, not that pumped about it. Dude, there's rumors that I'm trying to trade him this he, year. He, he took him to the Super Bowl, though. I know, but he's also part of the reason they didn't win the Super Bowl with a stacked yeah, roster. Fair. Aaron Donald. Eh. Well, let's do these two together Aaron Donald and Jared Goff. Goff is a bust already. <laughs> Goff went from bust to Hall of Famer to bust all in three years. Yeah, he did. Which is incredible. Well, he went from Hall of Famer to bust in one Super Bowl. Yeah. Like as soon as the Patriots did what they in did. In one game, yeah. Yeah, and that's all it took, and yeah. now he just hasn't been the same since. Matt Stafford. I mean, I, that one's okay, I guess. I think that's probably yeah. a four line. And I then Aaron Rodgers, I think, is probably a positive. So yeah. you're about 50 How much does Rodgers have left on his, career, on his uh, contract, though? He signed a four-year deal in 2018 for 134 million. Oh, he's only got two years left then. Yeah. Um. So but just so much can happen in 10 years that it's like. So here you go. I found a like list. Andrew Luck is retired. Like right. you would have told me that like two years ago. I would have told you crazy. So here's, uh, looking at that from a different perspective. Uh, let's take a look at the five 10-year deals in NFL history. Number one is Brett Favre, the Packers. That one worked out. 10-year, $100 million extension in March 2001. Um, so, yeah, that, that basically worked out. Um, played out seven of his 10 years in the contract before the Packers dealt him away. When, uh, this one we know uh, close to our hearts, Drew Bledsoe. 10 years, mm. $103 million, signed March 2001. <laughs> Yikes. So that lasted... Not even a year. Less than 14 months after signing the contract, the Patriots decided to go on with Brady, which meant dumping blood. So after just one season on his new deal, the quarterback was traded to Buffalo. Right. Uh, Donovan McNabb with the Eagles signed a 12-year, $150 million extension in 2000. Surprisingly, the deal given to Patrick Mahomes isn't the first time that Andy Reid has given one of his quarterbacks a contract that ran for at least a decade. That is a crazy... Because 2002, that was right before they went to Super Bowl, right? Two years before. Yeah. 
because they won Super yes. Bowl in 04. And that was part of the, that was when they were going to the NFC Championship game every year, but couldn't win it. They went like four years in a row. And that fourth year was the one that they won. So I guess the time that made sense. But yeah, I guess McNabb played eight of those 12 years, led Philly to six playoff appearances, four NFC title games, and a Super Bowl. And then he got traded to the Redskins. <laughs> uh, this one's not, not quite as good. Uh, 10-year, $102 million extension in May of 2003 for Dante Culpepper on the Vikings. Oof. That's the Randy Moss effect. Despite the fact he's coming off a 2002 season where he went 6-10, and 10, Vikings still thought it was a good idea to give Culpepper a 10-year deal. Although he was somewhat productive for the Vikings' first two years of the deal, team never made the playoffs with him after he signed it. And would only last three more seasons in Minnesota before getting traded to the Dolphins after 2005. And Culpepper was Miami's backup option after attempts at to add Drew Brees fell through. And so the Dolphins also got the... And then the last one was Michael Vick. The Falcons signed a 10-year, $130 million deal in 2004. And then 2006, I think we all know what happens. Indicted and later convicted on federal dogfighting charges, 21-month prison sentence. And that one didn't work out either. So Brett Favre worked out. McNabb, you could probably say worked out. I mean, none of these guys played their full contract. Yeah, it depends on what you... Favre was closest. Played seven. Yeah, no, actually, no. Five. Well, McNabb played eight of his 12 years. Favre played seven of his... And I mean, the other piece of it too is you're kind of handcuffing your salary cap if you have someone right. committing $40 million a year to it. And I think it goes up from there. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot of money. And there was, I think it was probably Tucker uh, had some stat where... Maybe it wasn't even him. It was somebody online posted that um, only two teams have won the Super Bowl with their quarterbacks taking up more than like 11% of their salary cap. And it was Steve Young with the 49ers in the first ever year of the salary cap, which kind of doesn't count because you could build up the roster before that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Tom Brady. In whatever his last contract was, 2012, that, that contract. And it was like 11%. And I think Mahomes is close to 20 if this goes through. So I would Thank be surprised God for Giselle. <laughs> exactly. The moneymaker of the family. Giselle is the reason for the Patriots dynasty. So Giselle and Tom Tupa. Yeah. I think we've added other people in <laughs> because there. Because without Giselle. Who knows if he's taking those like budget deals? That's true. No idea. But now we've got Cam Newton taking budget deals. We'll see how that works out. Who's his wife? I'm going to message her on. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to slide in her DMs and be like, baby, you got to get that paper. <laughs> <laughs> your husband and I'll be the moneymaker of this family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 2020. Quality, baby. That's right. All right, then. All right. That wraps up the bye week episode. We'll see you all next week when the Patriots, eh, who the hell knows where they're headed. Um, You'll find out next week along with the rest of us on the Patriots Dynasty podcast. See you later. See you later.